0: Welcome to Sustain, the podcast where we talk about open source sustainability for the long haul. Who are we? Where do we come from? Where are we going? How do I get the HTML from this website just down on my computer? Can anyone help me do that? Very excited to talk today with our guest. Before I introduce him, I want to make sure you know who the other voices are on this podcast. So I am Richard Litauer. Hello, everyone. How's it going? And then we also have today my lovely Co host, a sweatered in green, Leslie Hawthorne. Leslie, how are you?
1: I'm doing very well. Thank you, sir. And for real today.
0: For real. Excellent. I think I tried to say and sweatered and failed, but I really. I, just
1: I liked and sweatered and I'm using it from here on out.
0: Great. Let's do that. All right. Welcome to the Linguistics Podcast. For the rest of this podcast, we're going to change conversation and talk about code. We have today Daniel Stenberg on. Daniel is, of course, the lead developer of the Curl project. So we're very excited to have him on. Daniel, calling all the way from Stockholm. How are you doing? Oh, hello. It's a good day here. I'm lining up
2: my ducks for a release tomorrow. So taking it easy, pepping things. It's a good day.
0: Excellent. That's exciting. I have so many questions. I think just to start, can you tell us more about the Curl project and how you got to be involved with it?
2: It's a long story. So we just turned 25 years. Congratulations. uh, Almost two months ago. So I started back in late 1996, actually. I was writing an IRC bot at the time, and I wanted to add a currency exchange sort of command line, actually. You could ask the bot, how much is this currency in convert it today. And then I needed a way to download those currency rates every now and then, set up a cron job and download something. And I just needed a little tool to download something. And I found a, an HTTP site that hosted a bunch of currency rates. There was not Google, so I didn't Google for it. But I found a tool called HTTP GET that could actually get data over HTTP. It was 300 lines of code at that point of time. It worked almost the way I wanted to. So I sort of, as you do, yeah, patched it and I sent the patches back to the creator of that tool. So I used that then to kickstart my currency exchange thing in the bot and everything was fine. And I fixed a few more bugs and I sent the guy, Raphael, more patches and he actually Pro rather quickly grew tired with my sending patching to him. So he basically told me, so you can take over the maintenance of this little tool if you want to. Don't bother me with this anymore. So I became the maintainer of HTTP GAT, I think by the end of 1996. And then I did a few more releases. And then I found another currency site that hosted currencies on Gopher. So I added Gopher support. And then HTTP GAT was a silly name because it wasn't only HTTP anymore. So I changed it to URL much better. I added a FTP support also then during 1997. In 1998, we added upload support. And then URL get turned out to be a silly name as well, because it wasn't get anymore. Only I changed name again to curl in 1998. And I kept the version numbering. So I actually released curl version 4 in March 1998. At that point, we were at 2,000 lines of code and 24 command line
0: options. Amazing. I love the idea of, okay, I don't want to maintain this anymore. Can you do that? And 25 years later, you're still doing <laughs> it. So that is. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> you just mentioned at that point, you were 2,000 lines of code. How many are you at now? We just passed 160K.
2: So basically 80 times in 25 years.
0: That is intense. Tell me a bit about the community behind Curl. How many other maintainers do you have in the project? How many people come in and out?
2: It has been a gradual growth all from the beginning, sort of. So as I mentioned, when I released the first version of Curl, that wasn't just me. Even then, those 2,000 lines of code that went, I mean, I didn't write all of those myself. So since that time, people have contributed. And we have been, I would say, a small amount of maintainers ever since. People are coming over, of course, over time. But we're usually around maybe 10, 20 people who have been part of the project for a number of years. And then we have a very long tail of, I would say, most of them single time commit authors, but people who contribute. We get a lot of pull requests, a lot of bug reports from people just finding something, contributing something maybe once or twice, and then we don't see them again. I think this morning I counted 1,142 commit authors in the curl repository. So that's quite a lot of people who have helped out. And looking at the numbers, you can see that over 60% of them only ever contributed once. And then never again but they tend to view that as something good anyway because everything that helps the project forward is good i want to make sure that they can participate and come back again but it's also not necessary in case they don't find anything more or they don't have any more time or energy or whatever it's still taking the project forward one notch is still better than
0: not couldn't agree more when you talk about time and energy a lot of that is related to funding you of course have to eat so, how have you funded curl development?
2: For the first 21 years, I had it as a spare time project. So, when wow. um, that basically had, of course, I had my quote unquote real job on the side, and I did my curl work on my spare time, usually late in the evenings when the rest of my family went to bed, I spent time on curl and in 2014 i started working for mozilla and on the Firefox networking and they actually allowed me to spend some of my work hours on curl stuff and then in 2019 i left mozilla and i, I wanted a way to sort of work with curl full time so i work together or i say that i'm employed by wolf ssl and we sell curl support to larger companies that need help with curl and their curl use in their apps and devices and everything. So now I sell Curl support and I work in Curl full time Then, since, well, 2019. Four years and a little bit.
0: Can you tell me how you managed to get support contracts for something that's given away for free? I know Curl is being used everywhere, but I'm just kind of curious, how did you swing that?
2: It is a challenge, actually. And it's not only do I give it away for free, but I've been giving it away for free for such a long time. Then we have polished away most of the Silly bugs or other problems, and it works on a lot of platforms already. So, it, yes, it is a challenge to say, Sure, it works flawlessly on all your platforms, but please pay me. It's one of these things I've tried to work with. And I, of course, when I talk to customers or potential customers, I emphasize that it's better for them to focus on their stuff and expertise, and you let the curl related stuff on me so that I can help you do your stuff better use curl better and more effectively and you don't have to spend a lot of time and and understand how to you do it sort of a win-win thing I get money to do curl stuff and you can keep doing your stuff and it's sort of a better trade-off but it is a hard sell anyway so usually actually my biggest way in to almost all my customers is when they run into a bug So I have this weird incentive to not do it too good because when they run into a bug, particularly when they get stuck on something and there's possibly a little time pressure somewhere, that's where I get my best support contracts. Come in here, fix that problem, and then they sort of understand the point of me being close and my ability to help them in a short period of time is a good thing for them because they can unstuck their problems immediately when they have to.
1: So, Daniel, when you run across folks who are in in a tight spot and then they agree to a support contract, do they stay with you long term after that because they recognize the value?
2: Yes, mostly. As I said, I only have four years with this yet, so I can't say that I I don't have oceans of experience and I don't have a huge amount of customer either. But it seems that once they're on board, they value the Safety in this, that I'm here and I understand their problems, and they can just quickly ask me for questions or help or whatever when they need to.
1: I'm always just curious because when I spoke to you briefly in Stockholm, you didn't seem to be particularly distressed that you were giving away free software at no cost and weren't necessarily getting an equal amount of support in return. And you also noted to me that you didn't feel like you were burned out by being in this situation. And I thought, This is nothing short of a miracle. We must talk to Daniel about how he maintains this great feeling of positivity and generosity. He himself also needs to put food on the table.
2: Yes, it's easy for me to have this calm and relaxed attitude for as long as I have enough number of customers, right? So that it's not a challenge for me. I'm not on the brink of falling off the cliff. Because if I would, that would possibly have put me in a different situation. So as long as I have enough number of customers that can actually make sure that I get my paycheck every month, then I'm good. And then I'm in a rather fortunate position. And then I'm just happy to be able to do this. Once that is sort of arranged and I feel that I have a confidence that this is an ongoing thing that works, then it's more of a how do I deal with the everyday pressure and uh, people putting things on me and responsibility and having things in 20 billion installations is the sort of, <laughs> should I be scared when I do a release? What's happened if I do something wrong and the possibility that everything burns? So sure. But then I think it's just a matter of first, just plain old engineering, like making sure that I do everything as good as possible with testing and verifying and reviewing and blah, 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 all of that, sort of all the engineering stuff as good as possible. And then try to lean on that. And then it's just Probably also a personality thing with me that I'm rather good at not getting stressed up by people piling up things. But I'm rather good at having the position that when you've been around for a long time and you know that if things go well, I can be around for a long time further as well. It doesn't really matter if we solve the problems right now or next week or next month. So it doesn't matter if we pile up a bunch of issues now, we'll get to them so that we just slowly churn through them when we need to. So I feel I'm pretty good at that. I don't have any magic tricks for handling that. It's just sort of a mindset that I have that. Sure, it might feel a little bit much at times, but we know that we just get to it and we just work on it and we will sort it out. And of course, we are now at a pretty good situation. So we're generally good, right? So even if someone finds a bug somewhere, which of course people do all the time, they rarely of that sky is falling kind they're more sure that's a small thing for someone but the huge majority of users they will never even find that or think about that so it's a position where we have ended up that makes it i think as a pretty good situation to be in
0: i'm curious about what you said about personalities obviously personalities are things that you don't necessarily control as a developer it's just sort of how you've grown up and where you are but I'm wondering, did you have any moments in the past 25 years where something you read or someone who told you something really stuck and said, oh, OK, I can worry less. Oh, oh, I get this now because it's a whole lot easier. I just want to know what helped you develop this mindset of, you know what, things will be fine. Is it just time? I don't think it's just time.
2: I think it's a lot of different factors combined. So it's time and sort of just a proven success pretty much that it has worked so if you've done it for 10 years already you can see a pattern here it works actually but then on top of that then so that we have all the test cases sort of and we can refactor code a lot of times and thanks to the test cases and everything we can see that it actually works to do this so sort of we can prove to ourselves that the test cases allows us to be fairly sure at some things at least and then of course looking at just a huge install base and the feedback from users and everything so it's all of that together I think that makes me not
0: panic a stick of curl is kind of at this point a lifestyle business right it's mainly you but are you planning on growing to a hundred different people who are on payroll probably not right so are you happy with where it is do you have aspirations for more? I want it to be
2: more because I think it's better when we would be more. And that during periods of times, so we have been more sort of when we have opportunities to hire others. So for example, for the last six months, I've hired Stefan on full time. So we've been two in the project working full time. And I think that's exactly sort of twice the amount. It, that really made me feel how good it is to have someone to bounce things with on a more day-to-day basis rather than just that you don't really know if anyone will <laughs> respond or when. <laughs> when everyone is a volunteer, you don't really ever know what to expect. You can't really demand anything from anyone and you can't really expect that timing and everything. So it's that short period of time really made me feel that it's really nice and it would be good. I think it would be good for the project. It would be nice for myself personally if we could do that, so I hope to. But it, matters a lot on how the financial side of everything goes
1: okay so if it's okay i'll step in with a shameless plug for wolf ssl and we'll include a link to the company in the podcast notes because clearly if you're looking to grow and expand the number of people who can be supported then there needs to be more people looking at those services so we'll make sure to include that i actually also wanted to understand more about how it is that you came to that particular arrangement i believe you were at mozilla you were also working independently like how did you get engaged with these folks and why are you working with both ssl
2: so when i had curl as a spare time project i had that idea that i wanted a way to make sure that i could work with more with curl but pretty much have someone pay for it and how do i get someone to pay. But back to the question, right? I give away the code. I don't want to change that. I don't want to change the license. I don't want to change the conditions for how I actually distribute curl. So that's one of the things I really want to maintain. So I wanted to figure out a way how to then get someone to pay me to keep doing this. And how do I scale up the business? Sort of How do I go into a support business myself? That's a really challenging position. And it's hard to ramp up. I would do all this Sales, I would do all the support. I would have to have communications. And I'm not a salesperson, I'm an engineer. I'd rather be productive with my co in, sort of in my chair, in my house. Sort of looking back, I work with Wolf SSL. Wolf Susel is an American company. They have American salespeople. Most of my customers are American, pretty big companies. It's actually an, an awesome setup having American salespeople and a first line of support people in the US talking to those American companies. So The reason I found them and we work together and I sort of work and I sell support through Wolf's is basically because I know them since years before. They're friends of mine. So we have talked about this back and forth over the years. If I ever wanted to do, we could do it this way. So how do I take the step up from doing it completely spare time to doing it full time? It just seemed like an excellent way to take that sort of huge step in one go and from one month having it spare time the next month getting a salary for doing it full time so they took a lot of risk then because we didn't have a single customer of course when we started this so they took that risk and they believed in this from the beginning and the idea is that if things go well and if we grow enough we could fork it off and make it a separate we can make it a curl company if we feel that's better than having it under WolfSSL at some point. So we're all perfectly willing or open to do that. If we deem that to be a better way to do it.
0: i kind of more of an ecosystem question. You're in a really lucky spot where you've had the ability to work on this for a score of years, sort of part time and then get paid for it which most people don't have that ability. You're also working on a really awesome library. That's really useful Like 20 billion people can't be wrong and that they don't need this thing, right? They're all using a thing that's really great. And I'm just curious, clearly this is a one size fits you type thing, but do you know whether or not your approach could be adapted for more of the open source ecosystem? How do you see yourself as part of a wider movement of funding individual maintainers to work on their code?
2: Well, I think the kind of support deal that I sell and offer, it requires that the library in question has a certain size or a certain position, or a certain role and importance among the applications or users here, because I would imagine that there are probably, and I'm sort of involved with other libraries as well, that certainly would have a harder time to get sold or offered in the same way because they're simply too small or too Maybe even more friction, less. So it's really hard to offer a support contract to them. So I imagine that it really requires a particular kind of project and possibly person to fit this. So I don't think it's a match for everyone. I'm, I'm sure it's not. But on the other hand, I also imagine that there are ones that have a much easier job of selling support and getting contracts. So they would more easily get more people involved. I don't want to mention names, but whoever I talk to, when I talk about my business side of CURL, there's always going to be a bunch of examples selling for a huge amount of much more money than I do every year and also giving away the code for free. And then it comes back to that, what's the experience or how do you compare with others? It's really hard to compare with others, right? Because all projects, all humans here are all involved, are unique and in a different position. And I guess every project are even in different positions, like how mature is it? How common is it? How many issues do you have? Things like that. Because all those potential customers, they don't pay me out of their goodness of their hearts, right? They pay me because they think it's good for their business. And we're all in different positions there, I think.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. When you think about support contracts, obviously you're thinking about bugs, which as you mentioned earlier, are mainly edge cases at this point. They're not fundamental things. I'm curious if you have any thoughts around something like zero day exploits for Curl. Because it did happen with, say, Heartbleed, right? So Heartbleed was a couple of people who were working basically part-time, and then there was an exploit, and they fixed it really quick. Curl obviously isn't used in the same space, but I'm just wondering what you think about having support contracts, given your position, and those sorts of security issues going forward.
2: Yes, I mean, security is a very important area. I spend a significant amount of time and effort on making sure that we don't have them. And when we have them reported, we work with them and find solutions and write up all the details about them and stuff like that. Maintenance of a library like Curl is a huge chunk of what I do, right? So fixing bugs or some feature development, that's a very rare thing to do these days. So basically what I do with it when I'm, I have a lot of customers paying for support, that means I can spend a lot of my days doing maintenance, just sweeping up tiny things, fixing bugs and answering support questions and making sure that the engine keeps on running. And that includes the security thing. So I think thanks to us having enough number of customers, I can keep the boat afloat and give it sufficient amount of attention, even to things like security and doing releases and all that other stuff that just everyone wants to have done in a project, but nobody wants to pay
0: for separately you mentioned you had a new release coming out is that mainly small things yeah i would say that we mainly do small things and we
2: also do very frequent releases so we do releases every eight weeks sort of on the okay. schedule so we, every 56 days we have a new release so typically we do bug fixes and one or two minor change maybe
0: eight weeks sounds like as you said, an engineering task at this point, you just sort of have it down. It's a well-oiled machine, let's go. But it also sounds like the release process for something like a protocol. How do you view curl as being a wider part of say, internet protocols, internet developments that just need to happen that are part of our digital infrastructure? Do you see it as being similar?
2: Yes. So first, I just wanted to mention that, though, of course, part of us releasing Curl this often, this much, is that we don't break backwards behavior or backwards compatibility. We haven't done a breaking change in 16 years. So that also makes it very easy, and
0: it should be safe. Just, wow. Sorry. just <laughs> I, that, That's amazing. I just had to point that out. Cool.
2: Yeah. Thank you. So this, this thought and the idea is then, of course, to make sure that's safe and reliable for anyone to more or less constantly upgrade without that being... A danger people don't actually don't do that anyway because they think it's so it's easy for us to say that but they don't think that anyway but that's also why i wanted to have that ability to just keep on growing and that customers and users should also just keep on following along and, and that sort of goes into the role and position that Curl then also has in the generals transferring stuff over internet because it's really widely used and i want to make sure that people are doing internet transfers the best and most effective way they can do it if they use cURL. That's also reason that to make sure that it is compatible in that way because then users can always upgrade to the better way to do it which is the latest release and I want to make sure then since I know that cURL has this role in a lot of places in a lot of developers tool belts I want to make sure that cURL can also do things like the latest kind of protocols because users are going to be wanting to fiddle with their new servers also speaking in new protocols and you want curl to be there so i also want to make sure that curl is on the bleeding edge of what's possible and what's next in protocols in general
0: you tell me a bit about uncurled
2: uncurled is just my attempt to write down a lot of my experiences and thoughts around how it actually works how does it actually work for you to maintain or do something open source like the standard thing that you can be certain that a certain amount of people are going to be terribly rude when they appear in the project that's just how things are you don't have to like it i don't condone it and we shouldn't sort of let it happen to a certain degree but you can be sure that it will happen it's just one of those things people are like that partly language partly culture but then also just being a weird name on the screen it's very easy to but that's just sort of an example of things that Sure, you can be sure that happens. You can also be sure of that. If you're participating in open source, you can also be sure of the opposite, that there's going to be a busload of really excellent and awesome people out there, possibly someone you never heard of. You have never seen before show up one day and have this awesome improvement for your project just out of the blue, wham, a lot of good stuff and things like that.
0: I love this for some reason. You'll have to excuse me. This is an East Coast time zone thing. So I just woke up very early. I assumed Uncurl was another project. It is not. It is the best thing ever, and I immediately want to read it. So un.curl.dev is basically a book by Daniel listing all of this amazing information, which we will never get to on this podcast because there's just too much. <laughs> it is quite yeah. Up, yeah. No, but it's great. It's really cool. I'm just clicking on the side and new questions are coming up. Okay, here's a question I had a bit earlier, if you don't mind me asking. You mentioned most of your clients are support clients. I'm seeing a whole thing here on donations. And I'm curious, what do many companies rather not say? This is sort of one of the mysteries of the world that I haven't really understood at all,
2: is that I have, through the years, I've gotten contracts in a pretty well-known companies approaching me to do feature development. They use Curl for xyz but they lack a particular thing they think this extra thing would make their use of curl even better that has been included new protocols or extensions to protocols and things that match really well into what curl is doing so i sort of awesome thing someone pays me to do that because i wanted to do it anyway but in many cases they've insisted that i own all the copyrights i shouldn't mention them anywhere So they just sponsor my work to do it sort of, and they keep them out of the light. It's always sort of puzzled me why so many companies do that. And there have been a lot of different reasons sort of in theory, but I've seen it enough number of times that it's a pattern, certainly both from that company level when some of the companies have some laws or rules that basically says but don't mention us because then our competitors will know it or someone else will know it and we are, uh, actually have rules against this but this is sort of an exception or blah 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 and all the way to the individual contributors who show up with this user 355929 as a new uh, github account as of yesterday and submits a huge pr and you just know that's not the person that's just the unknown guy. It's probably someone working at a well-known company somewhere who just wants to hide their origins and just show up with something without it being possible to trace them back to wherever they come from. Again, I've seen it happen many times. I don't quite understand that reluctance in many cases, because I try to take it the other way around, right? It's a good marketing thing that you sponsor open source is a good thing. That's something you should brag about both individually and as a company. But obviously those two different things. And I guess there are projects and companies in both of those situations, but the Mr. Ones are, have happened to me many times. So I know that they exist. I can't understand it.
0: That is bizarre, especially considering that you said $20 billion- Users, basically, or uses or downloads? Yeah, I,
2: I call it installations because there Thank aren't 20 billion users. <laughs> Humans. There right? can't so be. There's only 8 billion people. So <laughs> exactly. it's way too many.
0: Right? But what's really interesting about that is why would you hide that? Obviously, your competitors is using it. Obviously, you're using it. Everyone is kind of using it. So it's just very confusing to me.
2: Yeah, it might be a trend that is dying. I hope so. We'll see.
1: I just have to say that, you know, talking about the person who shows up with username one, two, three, four, five and drops an amazing code dump on you. I have fortunately not at Red Hat, but I have worked in enough companies where the process to open source something is so arcane, painful, mysterious and terrible that it becomes much easier to become user one, two, three, four, five because you need to get your work done. And it's not as though you're submitting something that is going to make life difficult or challenging or is against the interest of your employer. So sometimes people just... Go incognito mode on the Okay,
2: <laughs> I think you're right, because that's more than a reason. I mean, a reason in the other end, sort of. They just circumvent some rules or guidelines at their company side.
0: You have a lot of support contracts. I'm curious, have you had a lot of contracts with companies that aren't support, a, aka donations, that people that just use you, that just want to see it continue going?
2: No, I have customers who understand that by paying support contracts, they are making sure that maintenance is ongoing. So sort of they understand that by paying a support contract, they also indirectly make sure that the project sort of strives mm-hmm. and, and lives on, because if I wouldn't have any support contracts at all, we have a lot of donations, but donations, as I write in Uncurled, it's really donations are at the different level of mm-hmm. amounts of money. Again, there are different examples in the world. You can find those who can do amazing things with donations. And I don't want to say that we have tiny amounts of donations. We actually have quite a lot, much donations these days, but they're still not at a level that's kind of employ a lot of people because donations, it's hard to extract that larger value from donations. You need to offer something more to these customers. Typically, that's at least my experience. So by offering a support contract, even if they don't take advantage of that support in the end, that's a way to get more money and provide more value to the companies.
0: Daniel, I think maybe it's just your calm voice. Maybe it's your personality and the fact that this has just kept going for so long. But it sounds like everything is easy for you. It sounds like (laughs) this is, yeah, we've been doing this for 20 years. It worked well. I did it in the evenings and I got money for it. Now I'm getting paid for it. Everyone is happy. Nobody dies. What's hard?
2: I'm an optimist by heart. And I'm very positive in my mind and spirit. And I think that's why you hear me saying things like this. Because everything that is hard, I tend to overcome and forget about it. So from me looking back, it feels easy, even if it possibly isn't that easy all the time. There are many things that are hard in an open source project. I tend to view that. The code and the tech, that's the easy part, right? So it's easy to write code. It's easy to do everything that the hard part is the humans, the community, and interacting with others, all the cultures, languages, people, all of that. Of course, it's hard. I sometimes struggle with the fact that curl is used everywhere in both good and sometimes the terribly bad. I think I've had my fair share of struggles in the sort of the darker side of that since I've death threats and I was denied going to the U.S. for many years. Stuff like that that I suspect has something to do with my name showing up in the wrong circles just because it's in the curl license. It's everywhere, sometimes in the ugliest parts of the Internet as well. So things are easy. Things are hard. But I'm certainly convinced and sort of my motto that just keep on doing it. We'll get to it. We'll fix it. And we'll overcome it.
0: I did not know that you had death threats and were denied entry to the U.S. That is A, awful, and B, fascinating, which I'm sorry to put those together, but it makes sense from a stupid legislature perspective. It doesn't make sense given that it's just an open source license and you're not responsible for anything that people build on top of that.
2: Regarding the U.S. part, I'm actually not sure why then, but that's sort of the most reasonable explanation because they don't explain. They just say, "Ah, no, you can't. It takes a long time to figure this out took over three years for them to figure it out. Then suddenly it worked.
1: Richard, you don't realize that Daniel is an individual of many talents and he, his skills are known far and wide in many quarters. In fact, he even knows how to handle copyright on GPS systems and how to help people use their cars to navigate properly just because he is the creator of Curl. So we should not be surprised by any of this.
0: I did not know that. You are correct. Since the license
2: of Carl has my email address and my name in the, a lot of places then just paste the entire license into their open source, well, license page or credit page somewhere. I get a lot of emails from people who find my email address in their products. That's actually the sort of the more fun part because then I get those questions about people's use of GPSs or sound systems, other different kinds of questions about different games too. Because curl is also used in a lot of different games, so the people ask me things, and usually I don't even understand what they're talking about. So I have to say, so "What's this?" and I have to Google for some terms in the email to figure out what they're actually talking about.
1: I feel like that's an entire side business, just answering random questions that come into you because your contact details are spread across the internet and the curl license.
2: Right. But I've also learned that responding to them, that's also that takes me down to a different kind of level of badness as well. Because mere mortals sitting in their car having a very annoying problem, probably tried everything finds my email as a sort of a last resort, emails me and then sort of the distance between that person and me. And then I reply and say, hey, I don't know at all what you're talking about, but fun, they're using my code. So it never ends well because they me and they want me to help them. And they just want me to talk to the core team and whatever. Yeah, so I had this years ago, I had this very long thread with a woman who found my name in Instagram. And just imagine that she said her account was hacked. Couldn't I just talk to the guys and help her? I tried to explain that I had no idea they even used my code, but it's fun, right? They used my code. She didn't think that was fun at all. And it took me a long time to convince her that actually I don't know them at all. I just wrote the code that they use. And... And once she was convinced, she then got back to me again later. Sort of it took a few weeks and then she got back to me again and said, You liar. And she showed me a second screenshot with my name from Spotify <laughs> on the same phone. So <laughs> my name in two apps in the same phone. That's not that's too much. Can't happen.
0: That is excellent. I'm really glad you brought that up. It is part of the uncurled.dev, so go do check out the email section. That's just great. I think that's a really good note to end on, actually. That's really light. It's clear. So besides on.curl.dev, where can people read about you and your works and, of course, use curl online?
2: So uh, everything about me is on daniel.hacks.se, H-A-X-X.se. Everything about curl is, of course, on curl.se. And... I have this book also, Everything Curl, that is on everything.curl.dev, actually, which is a pretty big book on everything curl,
0: All the things. All right. Daniel, this has been great. Thank you so much. Don't leave yet. Now is the part of the show called Spotlight, where we highlight people, projects, low level libraries, things, dog choice that have helped us out in our careers or lives. Leslie Hawthorne as the other host. Traditionally, I go to you first. What is your spotlight?
1: My spotlight is on the Swedish Internet Foundation, and I'm going to ask Daniel if you'll be gracious and pronounce the name in Swedish for me so I don't embarrass myself.
2: They're called Internetstiftelsen in Swedish.
1: These wonderful folks graciously about a month ago hosted an event on open source and public policy in Stockholm, Sweden at their offices. They treated all of us to a wonderful space, a very welcoming environment. They will be posting videos from that event later. Hopefully we can those to the sustain audience and i also wanted to say thank you to daniel once again for being our opening keynote speaker that was really delightful
0: thank you that was fun my spotlight today i was thinking of what other low-level libraries do i use pretty often and i decided to go with wc it's probably the one i use the most because i like writing things and then i like saying can i stop writing now let's count how many things i've written so wc is just really great do check it out cat would also be a very good option i'm realizing because i'd never use them But together all right and daniel what is your spotlight today
2: talking about wc then i would possibly just first highlight bc that's sort of my go-to calculator for everything no other calculator than bc that's what i'm good with but otherwise i just wanted to highlight of course one of those sort of low level really awesome tools that you cannot go through a single day here in my factory floor is valgrind which is the most awesome memory sanity tool for anything, especially useful when you're developing C like I do.
0: Excellent. Well, Daniel, thank you so much, listeners. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you have any thoughts, please let us know at podcast at You can also go to DiscordSustainOSS.org. Or just to say OSS.org, which I just said for the third time, where you can read about the other podcasts and so on. The show notes, of course, of this will be online. Do check them out. And of course, like this podcast, wherever you have downloaded it, that does help us out and tell your friends. And again, thank you so much, Daniel. This was great. Good luck with everything. I hope you continue to find all the support you need so we can talk to you again in another 25 years. I'm sure. I'm sure. It'll work out.